and brightest day and blackest night. All other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power. Oranges lust and blues you can trust. Indigos feel and white ones heal. Yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Volkelman. I'm Mark Marble. And I'm Dan Kurtzke. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 488. Woo! Creeping <laughs> ever closer. 488, the exact number of days till Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas next year? <laughs> yeah, but who's counting other than us? <laughs> Creeping closer to episode 500, Chad's official retirement date. <laughs> Whether he likes it or not. <laughs> Lantern cast next gen has a has a date. <laughs> God, episode five hundred hits. All of a sudden, all the passwords are just different. <laughs> Mark's yeah. not answering any DMs y- anymore. Y two five hundred. All right, what are we talking about tonight? Tell them, Dan. Well, I mean, there's a little thing that you might have heard of called Dark Crisis. Very just, little thing. Just kidding. <laughs> it's called Dark Crisis on Infinite Earth. This week. God, uh, have, you, have you guys? I, I don't remember. Have you guys talked about that? Uh, the announced change to the title? No, no. we talked about it's... SDCC a little bit, but that really wasn't of any. I mean, they oh, shocker. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm because like DC had a very small presence in terms of like reveals and ch- at the uh, San Diego Comic Con. shocker. Yeah, their big <laughs> thing was, oh, Dark Crisis is actually called Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths. So now this bad title just takes longer to say, I guess. We don't have to get into it, but with all this fucking bad girl stuff and all the other stuff going on over there, if they have a big plan, they better fucking have a big presence next year at SDCC or I'm going to be pissed. Get pissed now, Chad. We'll make the rant even better. <laughs> I'm always pissed. L- L- at <laughs> Bruce Banner Bokeman. That's my secret. I'm always I try, angry. you know, I try not to be one of those online trolls or whatever, like the people who just freaking spam Dan and us over on the on Twitter, like, how's the best? And if you've never if you don't agree, you're a shit fan and people trying to start Heat 2.0 and fucking whatever. All the bullshit we've talked about in the past, but my God, it's so hard not to be a massive fan of DC and just be so angry at the stuff they're doing outside of the comics because there's great stuff happening within outside of Dark Crisis stuff. But like freaking the Nightwing series is one of my top reads all the time. Ram V Swamp Thing, fucking amazing. Like it's not like they're not doing anything right, but it's hard not to be a massive fan of this universe. Like I said on a past episode. And not just be so furious with their multimedia presence. (laughs) To be fair, not that we want to go off on a tangent to start with, they are doing something. And again, it's all in the eye of the beholder. They are doing some things right from a 
comic book perspective. A lot of people are not over, not overly thrilled with the comic books either, and some of the sales are reflecting that. So the reality is, it's these these. Well, I mean, DC has seen better days across the board, but so that's like a perfect segue, Dan. <laughs> Take us into the black hole. Dark Crisis number two and three, written by Joshua Williamson, pencils by Daniel Semper, inks by Daniel Semper and Daniel Hernan. Henriquez and Danny Mackey, colors by Alejandro Sanchez, and letters by Tom Napolitano. So just like in real life, everything on Earth is going to hell. Everyone believes the Justice League is dead and the villains are making their move all at once, leading to chaos that the heroes can barely keep up with. The biggest threat comes from Deathstroke, who's leading a massive team of every B, C, and D-list villain you haven't thought about in five years, and they travel around attacking unsuspecting heroes. They launch an assault on Titan's Tower, which is currently being used as a school to train the next generation of teen heroes and easily neutralize the, the classic team of you know Nightwing, Starfire, Raven, Donna Troy, Cyborg, Beast Boy, like your, your heavy hitter Teen Titan alums. Uh, John Kent, the current Superman, tries to fix things by forming a new Justice League out of literally whatever heroes he can get to say yes, but that team falls apart pretty quickly and goes their separate ways. But that's okay, because the JSA is back with Alan, Jade, and Obsidian front and center. Black Adam thinks he can whip the hero community into shape, but being the only survivor of the fall of the Justice League has made him too paranoid and brutal to work well with other heroes. So instead, he turns to the villains. We see him fly out to a swamp and join up with the Legion of Doom, including Sinestro. Meanwhile, out in space, a ringless Kyle Rayner is trying to escape a spaceship where he's presumably been held since the central battery vanished way back in Green Lantern number three. When he's greeted by Hal and Joe, they catch Kyle up on what's been going on with the Justice League before handing Kyle a functional Green Lantern ring and inviting him to join the rest of the Green Lantern Corps as they go to confront the army of villains that took down the Justice League. The Corps goes to Sector 666 because Black Adam said Necron was part of Pariah's Dark Army, and what they find is the Black Central Battery, good as new, sitting on the surface of the planet Riot. For some reason, Hal's plan is to leave the entire Green Lantern Corps there and go deal with the situation alone. But Hal and Joe thinks that's stupid, so they go with him. Uh, Touching the Black Central Battery transports the three of them directly to the battlefield where the Justice League fell, right in front of Pariah, who lays out his plan. Every superhero is an entire world of stories, so Pariah can use them as fodder to recreate the worlds of the original multiverse that died in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, Behind him are floating orbs, each with a different hero's symbol on it. The lanterns attack, and Hal grabs the orb with the green lantern symbol, only to be overwhelmed by the power radiating from it. And in that moment, Hal can tell that the Great Darkness had been using Pariah. None of this was actually about restoring the multiverse. Everything that Pariah was doing was actually giving the Great Darkness weapons it needs to annihilate everything and return existence to nothingness. Hal dissolves, just like the Justice League did when they supposedly died, and is transported to an emerald city where he's confronted by strange new versions of uh, Kyle Rayner, Jason Todd, and Natasha Irons, all of whom are Green Lanterns, who identify this world as Sector John Stewart. Hal is confused, and he is right. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
I hate to start off with a negative, but there's just some glaring stuff happening that kind of bothers me. This is all very cookie cutter event, of course. But the thing that the thing that bothers me, a couple of things. Wasn't Black Adam in one of those issues, whether it was Dark Crisis 1 or 0 or whatever? Wasn't Black Adam sitting in a hospital bed not too long ago for really freaking sure of himself that he took care of the problem? And that there's no darkness out there or whatever. There's no rest of that little army that took out the Justice League to be bothered about. Yeah, he said something to that effect. He was he was most certain that the league was dead, and like everybody who who kind of didn't think or who who thought there was a chance they might come back or have survived is like just a naive, dumb kid. Yeah, but you're right, Chad. He did. He he. He made it sound like, which because we talked about the fact that there was no way on God's, based on where he was at the time, everything went down. There's no way on God's green earth he would he, would, he could make that assumption without any with any reasonable amount of certainty. But he was right. making, he was speaking like, oh yeah, that they took care of the threat. We don't have to worry about it. So at the very least, he was convinced of it. What has happened in that time that has changed his mind then? Because a short of uh, uh, everything that's going on with Deathstroke and and all of that. None of that points to the specific villains that he faced when he was with the League when they died. There's been no, like, great darkness in your face sort of stuff happening for those living members that confirms that those villains are indeed, you know, not dead after all, after that confrontation. I don't know what's changed. It's a minor thing, whatever, but I would have liked some sort of a sentence, a paragraph explaining what happened that made him change his mind because there's 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 more to what he's doing here than just we need to come up with a way to uh counter deathstroke and his army they they point to a larger scheme at work which last we heard he didn't believe and the that they were still around so whatever the other thing that bothers me is pariah's motivations we get his origin and stuff, and he talks about his own ego. So I acknowledge that that could be an explanation to what I'm about to say. But why does Pariah trust the great darkness? He straight up tells us in this issue that, or one of these issues, that uh, the great darkness was what was behind the original crisis in the region. Like he said, watched as you destroyed the worlds or whatever. So if the, if the, the great darkness was once motivated to destroy the entire multiverse on a whim, why would he trust it to do exactly the opposite of its goals for him? Well, he seems to think that he's got one up on the great darkness for some reason. Which is why I said I brought up his ego. So that that could like he believes he has an ace in the hole to counter the great darkness. I mean, my biggest question is why does the great darkness not just control him outright? I mean, it could just be a thing where, like, maybe the great darkness is still too weak to completely take over the people it's it's touching. Because that was next explanation. Yeah, well, like that, because like that was the thing where when uh, the reason that all of those villains couldn't kill the Justice League is because they weren't at full strength because they were they were like only kind of half in the driver's seat because the great darkness was controlling them but not so much that they were effective so maybe it's a thing where like oh the great pariah can operate with some level of autonomy because the great darkness isn't strong enough yet to just 
take him over and use him. Or, I mean, you would think it's one of two things. Either he's, well, you could make three, but one, but some of the two of these go together. That it has to do with, yes, that he's arrogant, but he also may have something up his sleeve that he thinks would give him the leverage or be able, if if, uh, the great darkness or when the the great darkness tries to turn on him, that he can gain the upper hand. Or the great darkness really is controlling him too, but he's just making, it's the way he's controlling Pariah. He makes Pariah thinks he's in charge when he's actually not. That everything that Pariah is doing is exactly what the great darkness wants him to do, even though he thinks he's... So I think it's probably one of those one, one of those two things, but I I would agree it would seem pretty blatantly um, unless he has a like ultimate nullifier up his sleeve, you would think that he would uh, not be no matter what you you're you're playing a dangerous game to think you can outsmart or outpower something that supposedly has had its hooks in almost everything that's ever happened in the DCU. It feels weird to me to think of the Great Darkness as something manipulative instead of just being an overwhelming force i think that's my whole look my my whole problem with dark crisis so far and look you can sure there can be cool action sequences cool moments cool uh you know lines of dialogue even awesome page turn reveals but let's be honest thus far of what i've read of dark crisis it feels very cookie cutter event to me there doesn't feel like a whole not honestly, there doesn't feel like much new ground being broken. Now, obviously, that's going to be, you know, quite literally based on the words I just said, there will be new ground being broken as I'm assuming some new universe or some new information will rise out of here for us to have ground to build upon. But like as far as the the actions of characters within this this title, as far as. Um, you know, the, the, the motivations of the villains and stuff, it all feels very done to death because you, you, on the one hand, having Pariah back is cool. Like the original crisis. Okay. Let's, let's play with that as much as we go back to, Oh, we thought we understood everything about the original crisis, but the real motivation bullshit that we always circle back to in every single new crisis, it's cool to see Pariah back. Um, But you, you you tap into his motivations and his ego and his brilliance and so on and so forth and his experience and how much he remembers of these original multiverses and stuff like that. And then you, you dumb him down to the point where he's making a stupid mistake, like either a believing he has an ace in the hole to think that if the dark crisis is really not on his, or sorry, if the great darkness is not really on his side, then he can then, you know, he has one up on him. He has an ace in the hole or be worse, truly believing that the great darkness is on its side. But the whole destroy the universe to bring back the 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 it, it, very infinite crisis. I, I don't I don't know, man. I just feel like I don't know if I'm 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 going to be very excited at the end of this, um, because honestly, don't you think out of what we've got so far and it's only it's only been these three issues and then all the the tie-ins the only issue that's really going to matter of this at the end of the day is going to be issue eight right or seven seven or eight i just feel like no nobody's going to care about any like you're going to hear about dark christ you may hear about dark crisis for a couple of years or whatever and people will reference it or whatever but nobody's going to care about all this the everything that's happening in issues potentially one through seven they're only going to care about whatever's revealed in issue eight. 
And that's kind of a shame to think that there's really nothing here worth remembering later on. All you're going to remember is the result of this event. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, cause I mean, every of every big event is in some way derivative, but like this one in particular feels like it has the most feel of like a cover band playing somebody else's greatest hits. Yeah. Cause you hit it right on the head when you said infinite crisis because like when you really strip it down the story of dark crisis is hey a survivor from the original crisis on infinite earths wants to re wants to to tear down the existing dc universe and and restore the original dc multiverse because he doesn't like how it turned out and that's literally what infinite crisis is about it's just a different survivor from the original crisis. Like even the thing that Deathstroke's doing right now is just straight up like the, the secret society, the villains United thing. Like, yeah, it's, if this, he was ahead of that, wasn't he? I seem to remember him on a cover. It was, it was either him or Luther. I don't remember, but like it, it was, it was great, whichever it was, but um, yeah, like so far, like I'm, I'm interested to see where Dark Crisis goes, but like I'm not really excited by it. And I think it because it's it feels like it's it's hedging all of its bets and playing things safe. And that's extra disappointing to me because it's also leaning really hard into legacy characters, which like legacy is my favorite thing about DC Comics, period. And like I want to, I want to read a new an issue of this book and like go hell yeah because of it. And yeah. they just ha- they they haven't done it. I mean, Mark definitely was like screaming, like in sheer joy, fist pumping when he turned the page here and saw Cyborg Superman land like in his Iron Man pose, right, Mark? Until they did what they did did with him in the issue. What a waste. He could beat the shit out of John Ken Superman. <laughs> and then having Cyborg, first of all, we I mean, it's a you can make a case it's a little uncharacteristic on the surface of why of Cyborg just trying to crunch his head like that. But the reality is we all know that's not gonna do anything <laughs> But that was a that was a friggin' waste. That was that was that was a waste. Infinite Crisis was so much better. Oh yeah. And it's gonna end up being so much. I mean, I, I Chad, I think we, we've talked we've talked about this that to me, of all the things they've done. Certainly in like the last 20, 30 years, Infinite Crisis has been the best one. That's the, it's the best attempted follow up to Crisis on Infinite Earths. And, and renaming this 8,000 ways of, or times it wants to, it's not going to make this feel any, any more natural or more of a natural, the, the natural successor to Crisis on Infinite Earths. And I think part of the reason, say, you're, you're pumped because it's dealing with like, the remainder of the superheroes, which are like the next gen. And I think that's going to be also part of the reason why it's not going to work for a lot of people, because most of the heavy hitters are off the board. I mean, yes, we know they'll be back on the board at some point, but I don't know. I I'm, I'm not, I don't, I think it's relatively easy to follow at this point. So that's always a plus as opposed to some garbage, you know, like final crisis that it's always nice being able to understand exactly what's going on and, and, and get, and so I'm okay with it. I don't. I don't find it earth-shatteringly interesting at this point. I'm intrigued, 
And at least the Hal, I mean, the Hal stuff in this issue, I, I thought it was going to go much more horribly than it did. I thought, you know, I thought the, like the entire Green Lantern Corps led by Hal was just going to get their asses handed to them just to show you once again that, oh, Hal Jordan doesn't know what he's doing. And this is why we're pushing Hal Jordan to the back burner. Don't so. worry, though. He definitely doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I'm going to show up with the entire Green Lantern yeah. floor. Now, all of you wait here. I'm going to go do it. Do, no, yeah. Nobody come with me. But he, he was trying yeah. to be irresponsible, but on his no. own, but not lead, potentially leading everybody down. No. The like, like when I when I saw the cover for issue three, and I'm like, oh, my God, Hal is going to fight per, like Pariah and his army by himself. That is so stupid. It's also the most Hal Jordan thing he could possibly do. And when I saw, I turned the page and saw, oh, he's bringing the whole core with him. I was like, I was re- both relieved and kind of kind of disappointed because I wanted to see him do the dumb thing. But then he shows up with the core and does the dumb thing anyway. And I'm just, I'm conflicted. There's no way for me to be happy. Yeah, the, the, yeah. Especially with the freaking epicness of that, that was Blackest Night. Like, <laughs> you bring the core, and it's not even the full core because your your <laughs> your roster is super diminished here, right? So well, maybe we, who the hell knows? Because like yeah. at least two of those people are dead. Two more are in the the fucking dark sector without rings, and two others are Simon and Jessica. So who the hell knows how many Green Lanterns they have as far as Dark but, Crisis is concerned? Yeah, but they're, they're not way, respecting continuity. We know they're not respecting Green Lantern continuity at all in, in any of this. So, but I, but either way, no. Regardless of if if it was all seventy two hundred Lanterns, like. Blackest Night took all of the cores to deal with that problem. That plus, is true. Plus, so like, why? Why would you go to Riot with the entire core, see the Black Lantern power battery resurrected on the surface and <laughs> powered on, and think, you know what? I'm gonna go in, <laughs> and it's just gonna be me. Uh, you are essentially just going in on the off chance that you somehow get out of there. And uh, also, I don't know if I, I don't know if I entirely agree with the idea of, like, I understand Kyle wanting to go with them. I understand Joe wanting to go with them. I don't understand Guy hanging back. Guy would be like, "Fuck you, Jordan." <laughs> like, I don't know what you're thinking, dude. But like, he's not going to go out of any loyalty to Hal or anything. He's just going to go. Are you a moron? <laughs> just fucking get pissed and go dive into the battery after him. I think it's a it's a plot armor point of why Joe would would, would feel kind of, it's like I thought we were partners, bitch. I've known you for five minutes. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's like that makes that is a that is a typical DC thing where where they want you to go and who they want to feature. It's like it makes per, it would make perfect sense because first of all, Hal went and just rescued Kyle, so. Yeah. So that so Kyle feeling loyalty to Hal, okay. But you're but it you could make the case since John's not there, even though it, it is questionable thinking at but Kilowatt's still there. Yeah. That you want you'd want to leave somebody you'd have a little bit of faith in behind instead of taking like the all the, the entire leadership team in, in, into doing what you're doing in case something goes wrong. But like, I think but, it's just but, the difference in thinking though. Like for me, I I know I don't say it out loud, but I honestly for me, when I think of Hal's friends or like, you know, his core group of lanterns, I don't 
like I I always include Kilowog. Yeah, I know. I trust and love the but shit. But he's got, but he's got to leave. But if he's going, if he's you know doing something half-assed and flying off like it's like it's how that he's he's bright enough usually in a circumstance to leave somebody behind that he has that he feels more confident in doing something ridiculous because he knows that somebody else behind who's more who's more who's a little more strategic and competent who's to, to pick up the pieces so he so he can't take everybody you trust in with you because then you're going to leave a whole bunch of b the b team left behind it's going to be junior varsity left behind so i can understand him take if he was if he wants to take kilowog instead of joe but then you're leaving you're depending a lot on guy uh i could i could understand but i also again it, it is a how like thing to do to go in by himself just because in case things didn't work out well that at least he's only taking himself down and he's not and that's why that's for better or for worse that's why he gives that ultimatum about destroying the battery or basically at, if, if i'm not out by you know just just if but they can right. even do that, I mean, it, except for now because it's a, because it's because we don't we don't know what the deal is and yeah. how it's. But yeah, you're right. On the surface, it shouldn't work. Correct. I mean, it gets even we, worse when you think about the fact that two other cores share their home world. Right. Now. That's another continuity. If you had if you had you know Badger or whatever and every and Ayalande there, then you can make the case that maybe even if maybe you could do more damage that way. But again, obviously. Uh, Williamson doesn't really give a shit about continuity. So, well, I wonder, like, because there's the whole thing. Like, a big sticking point for me ever since they decided that they were gonna kill the Justice League, quote unquote, and everything would be different. I always, I could, I could never figure out why. Because in my mind, what John Kent tried to do in building, just building a new Justice League, should have worked. You know, like. You, there have been so many iterations of the Justice League. Some of them had like the big guns on them. Some of them had none. So, so why? What is so special about those exact heroes that were taken off the board? And I, what they seem to be doing is approaching it from an angle of like these were, and I don't know if this actually makes sense, but like these were like the leaders of this community basically and without them there it leaves a a vacuum that no one is is like qualified to occupy and the whole hero community is rudderless and just acting randomly on their own which is why they're they're failing to keep keep up with the villains and like i don't think that makes sense because like like you want to you want to make it like that kind of claim for like oh superman or wonder woman or batman or whatever like okay sure but like that though like so many of the heroes who are gone are like like i don't think the superhero community should be suffering that much because of like green arrow and hawk girl aren't around you know like but like everybody's just kind of they can't get it together and are making bad decisions like why when when you've got all of this crap going on on earth why is hal going off into space instead of staying to help and and like whip people into shape or like why what? if you're going to send flashes to go search for barry why are you sending all of them do you like do you think titan's tower would have a scratch on it if at least wally was there with them like the Flash family is like one of the biggest resources for the hero community, and literally all of them left to go find Barry. 
Well, Hal doesn't trust Black Adam or his assessment of what happened. And they've kind of established that. So that, so that explains why he's not content. In, plus, it's Hal. He's not content in just sitting around. He, he's, he's, he'd rather act than sit around. So because he doesn't trust, he thinks Black Adam is, at, the, at best, is an unreliable narrator. So he needs to go find out for himself exactly what exactly what happened. And because of the same thing related to Barry and Barry's role in, in everything and all these and all these crises. So I, I get what you're saying. And but you could also make a case. This is just another example of plot armor because I said, hey, we really don't want to deal with. We don't want this to be a Hal centric story. We don't want this to be a Wally centric story. Well, nothing's been Wally centric for decades. But the point is, unless you're making him an idiot, that the reality is. It, sometimes it's just got to take these pieces off the board because we don't want to use them. The Infinity War thing. So yeah, I, I get what I do get. I do I do get what what you're saying. Um, I did like the Hal. Some of some of Hal's exchanges with Pariah was pretty good enough. It was it was it was a good on that level. It was a good. I'm trying to think the best way to describe it. It was a a good portrait of Hal to show, and on one level, big. I do like the fact that he talks about the armor, like the only two people ever wore that armor. I wouldn't exactly call them friends. <laughs> I assume that's a, an anti-monitor Superboy Prime reference. Yeah. Yep. Yes. Uh, I, yeah. I, so I think that was. You want to talk about a good portrait of Hal? That that page where the three of them are falling through the battery, and you see like the zombified Black Lantern versions of them in the background. As they like tumble down the page, it was, all, it was such a good shot. Yeah, it is. And the whole, I just think the whole banter with Pariah and and Hal Jordan was 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 kind of good. But I really like I said, I, I thought this was gonna, I thought this was gonna end a lot worse for for Hal. And I also thought that, which kind of the way this ended was somewhat, even though I guess it makes sense, but it was disappointing that, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, that uh, where this ends does not have any does not factor into the one shot at all. Yeah. Um, some information we need to just make sure we highlight. Um, the only thing we know about those big villains that took down the justice league uh, is what we know about dark side. And it seemed like dark sides involvement in all of that was that he was essentially possessed in, in that sense. But what's interesting that's mentioned here is Hal says Black Adam said that Necron or something like Necron was with Pariah's Dark Army. And they, the uh, letterer made the choice or the editor told the letterer to make the choice to both bold and italicize the word like for Necron. So I'm wondering if if it's not just a situation where all of those villains we saw take down the Justice League were possessed like we saw specifically with Darkseid. But that some of them are somehow variants of or constructs that the great darkness sent. Like, we don't know. Obviously, it just says like. But uh, there may be more to just let's put a shit ton of villains on the screen and say that they're all possessed by the great darkness. That may not even be the actual Necron. Maybe. There's also a line in there where I think it was Hal said, like, the Guardians always suspected necron was connected to something yes. bigger yep. at which i'm like i i don't i guess i, I don't know <laughs> well we'll, t- we'll take your word for it because a yes we've never seen the guardian say that and b they always keep hal so close closely in the loop <laughs> 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 they were having coffee one day and they said 
I do want to discuss the uh, the uh, the fact that what, what's the precise uh, verbiage Priya uses when he says that the justice. Oh, here we go. He said uh, the the heroes of Earth Zero are special. Each of you is a world unto yourself. I can use that to rebuild the multiverse. And then you see like you know planet you know planets displayed behind him, and each one has a symbol, which points to the whole concept that we were talking about before. Like the Justice League isn't likely dead; they're probably each on one of those worlds, like Barry is. Um, but I, do we think there's more to it than that? Like, are we are we going to go? Is DC trying to go a little bit Morrison in a way? Is Joshua Williamson trying to go a little Morrison in a way and say that? the stories that make up the universe, the original universe are in some way, always going to be tied to one of these specific characters. Do you think there's more to it than just the story they're telling, but they're trying to go a little deeper with it and like in the way Morrison or somebody would. Well, this entire event is like constantly flirting with the concept of being metatextual, but not really, not really doing anything with it yet. And I feel like, everything we've read in the first three issues is, is just kind of like the setup still because like we keep, we, we keep hanging it dangled in front of us. Like, ah, oh, yes, Pariah is doing this stuff. Now we just have to cause a crisis on earth. And I don't know. I mean, I guess we haven't gotten up to the crisis part of crisis yet, but I really, I do. I genuinely do like the concept that you referenced there that every one of these characters has like there are superman has so many stories told about him that you could make an entire comic book universe just out of superman stories and like when i read that you know beppo we got a supergirl we got crypto like you know they you've technically built a universe off the back of superman you've built a universe off the back of batman and like every character in the dcu is in some way connected to one of these specific characters yeah and i i think pariah is trying to segment it that way like superman clark kent all by himself has so much story that he is a world unto himself and therefore i have this orb over here with an s shield on it and that's earth superman one or whatever they call it and the same with batman and the same with wonder woman and like eventually like if they if he grabbed dick grayson we would have earth nightwing or earth robin one or whatever because like the fat the longevity of the the heroes of the dc universe means that they can like they're so expansive and vast histories and all that that like i i I mean i think what this is going for is is saying like look at all of the history that these characters have we like we've acknowledged we're acknowledging the storied history of all of our heroes and making that into a plot point into something that the villain is trying to weaponize at the same time that we're putting their legacies at jeopardy right but i think that like i think they're i think they're going a step beyond that i think that's pariah's motivation uh like so like it's one thing to say i'm going to bring the original universe back 
But what he's saying here without saying it's only a couple of lines. So I'm hella reading into this and I account for that. But like in my mind, what he's saying is the the power I need to bring back these universes it's, or these, these universes is not enough to bring them back. In order to do that, I have to fill them with stories. Like there's a there's a fourth wall break essentially I'm I'm seeing yeah and I wouldn't necessarily blame Pariah for that because if he's aware of the multiverse then he might be one of the characters that's kind of aware that they're not necessarily in a comic book that but of the 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 metatextual Grant Morrisony multiversity side of things where the thing is powered by story. I mean, I, I, I agree. I would like that, you know, say what you will about Morrison these days, but if, if they were writing this, then there would be a character that directly says that to our faces and (laughs) it would be refreshing and it would be nice. And I would, I would hug that character. (laughs) I just, I just feel like, like Williamson is trying to play coy with this too much. Like we're three issues in, we should, like, I don't know. I, this is a weird miniseries because it's acting like the Justice League is gone when we knew from the start that wouldn't be true. But then he's it's the whole thing is like it's built on this framework of of the importance of this metatextual concept. But that's the thing that isn't being directly addressed and that feels like the more important thing to lay as the foundation to make all of this matter and it's taking and plus it's taking it for it's taking forever for what the master plan and what they're going to do with earth and how it and how we know they want to destroy earth zero to bring it to bring all the other worlds back but i mean but as far as actually touching directly the our earth they're dragging it out a long time besides what's going on so it's like and yes there it's like in a way some of the depends on one's perspective you on one level it would make no sense to just play up the fact that the just not to not acknowledge that the justice league was still alive because we all knew they weren't really going to stay dead on one level but on another level because you already knew from almost from the very beginning that yeah they're not really dead that any kind of suspense or even though i guess they kind of are negating that by by the solicits down the road to imply, well, the Justice League can come back, but it might mean the end of one of them. It's it's hard to know where this is going to go, but I but I do I do get. I don't know if it's as the same exact way Chad's reading into it, but I'm sure it has greater meaning that about why they're being put in those separate worlds and what and what gets generated or something or the energy or the power that having a world to themselves creates. But yeah, I just. Maybe part of me is just putting too much faith in the writer because I know Joshua Williamson is capable as a writer. Now, we on the Lantern cast may not have experienced that, uh, but, you know, there are other indie titles and stuff that are out there. But if you think about it, Infinite Frontier didn't really give us too much. There, That was very strange. Um, Justice League Incarnate was a fun series, but in terms of giving us a lot of uh, information or whatever based on the evidence that we have reviewed on the lantern cast thus far by joshua williamson what we're reading now is not a surprise what i know of joshua williamson's capabilities beyond what we've reviewed on the lantern cast is it reads weird to be 
to see so much cookie cutter in these three issues thus far for big event. And like, you you know, we point out the, the drastic similarities between it and infinite crisis, knowing what Joshua Williamson's capabilities makes me think he's better than this. And if he is, he's doing this on purpose. Part of me wonders how much of it is because it's a big event too. Cause like this, is this above most of the other things being published has to be the most like mass market palatable. Like I think like the, the, the all, all the green lantern inconsistencies I think are going to get chalked up to the fact that God, I don't even remember where, I, where this was said anymore, but supposedly this storyline takes place slightly in the future, which is why they can, you know, still be publishing all of their Superman and Batman comics while Superman and Batman are supposed to be dead. But like, I also think like the reason you do that is because you want the book that has the highest sales potential in your catalog through the rest of this year to also have, you know, the most recognizable stuff for people who aren't entrenched in your universe, who might want to pick up the big event to see what's going on. And I like, I think like I had an example in my head, but it's gone now, but like, like it's a, it's a difference between like, like something like that's more like thoughtful and nuanced versus a popcorn movie, which is where a lot of events tend to lean sometimes. Yeah. Well, speaking of the stories that are told and, and, and can be told on these other worlds. Well, listen to that segue. <laughs> Did you ride all the way here on that segue? <laughs> you have to keep him on the payroll for something. <laughs> so, Dark Crisis, Worlds Without a Justice League, Green Lantern, number one. There are two colons in this title, and I'm, I am I kind of wish they added On Infinite Earths to it just to make it longer. Anyway, <laughs> written by Philip Kennedy Johnson with art by Fernando Blanco, Colors by Jordi Belair and letters by Troy Petrie. Petrie? I'm sorry. Uh, In the world that Pariah built to hold Jon Stewart, the Guardians were wiped out by some vague cosmic threat that would have also destroyed the central battery, except Jon took the battery to Earth and hid it in the form of his younger sister. John then gave Green Lantern rings to various Earth heroes like Red Hood and Steel and had them join Kyle Rayner and the rest of the Green Lantern Corps in defending Earth against anyone who comes looking for the battery. With Earth protected, John retired and settled into a peaceful life with his mother and little sister. His days as a soldier and Lantern are behind him, and now he can just be an architect with a loving family. Until a bunch of demonic Thanagarians show up pulling a gigantic space baby. Uh, Half of the core falls trying to hold them off, prompting John to join the fight and defeat the big bad single-handedly before going back home to his happy life. Demonic space baby. Yeah, there was a big space baby. Thank God I was muted because I was laughing my ass off. Good. I've re- I I agreed to do the summary for this before I read it, and then I read it, and I'm like... I instantly regret this. God damn it, Mark. There's like... It's not even that there's nothing here. It's that most of it is like, his- like history and mythology of a world that I don't think we're ever going to see again. So I 
I don't know how invested to be in it. Oh, I like it. I saw it as a straight up Elseworlds one shot. Okay. I should have expected it to be that, but the fact that uh, Dark Crisis number three ended with Hal getting dropped into this world and being confronted by characters who are in this issue and the fact that the big space baby is pulled in by like decaying zombie hawk like hawkmen and and i knew that oh there's a hawk girl backup story to this like in my mind like this was going to continue from a dark crisis number three and then continue into the hawk girl story even though like i should have known better but like it felt like like it felt like there should have been something else going on here yeah all of these dark crisis tie-ins save maybe the ongoing ones like young justice are I'm just seeing as straight up Elseworlds one shots. Um, and in some ways, if the cookie cutterness of dark crisis thus far continues. And like I said, it comes to pass that all we really care about at the end of the day is ever going to be the final issue. It may very well be that these one-shot tie-in issues are the most creative storytelling, that the tie-ins are better than the ser- the event itself. Uh, in some ways, that's what Final Crisis was for some people. It, it was for me. I don't remember all the details of Final Crisis because I only read it the one time. But I can tell you, I read the shit out of Final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds. <laughs> I love Legion of Three Wor- Worlds. I loved... Uh... Uh, 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 I forget what it was called, but it was that uh, two issue Superman 3D thing where he's like, he's in the Beatles yellow submarine with Dr. Manhattan and they, he fights like a, a, a monitor who's also a vampire and it's great. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, look, I, I'm not saying the art and the actual story told in this were a 10 out of 10 for me. I, the story was, yeah, uh, and I did feel a little bit of letdown that that you describe, where it's like, okay, but should I care? Because we're probably never coming back here ever again. Uh, so should I care to think and bank this story in my memories or no? All of that aside, I'm honestly just so giddy about the idea of Elseworlds one shots. And the potential that these these tie-ins could have uh, for interesting stories, that I'm just happy we got one of them. <laughs> yeah, and maybe, and to be fair, it might also, like my response to it might also come from the fact that like we're still just kind of getting breadcrumbs from Dark Crisis. So, so I came, I was hoping that this would give some more focus to it, even though it wasn't in the main book. So it most likely wouldn't. But hey, um, hey, man, this thing is coming out more, uh, more, more quickly. It's whatever. <laughs> it's coming out a whole lot quicker than uh, you're learning anything about the Gold Lantern. Yeah, it is. God <laughs> damn that book. That, I was so looking forward to that miniseries and nothing's happened. Nothing. And the sales are reflecting it. I don't even know. Like that. They're only on it. They just they're up to issue four. I'm pretty sure that was supposed to be finished before Dark Crisis started. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. I think I think this is I think this issue. If this is if you really like John Stewart, then I guess you'll like this issue. Uh, I really like John Stewart. I know. 
I'm I didn't saying, like I'm, this. I'm, well, I was going to say, let me do the A, if A, then B thing. I'm not saying if you like Jon Stewart, you, you automatically are going to like this. I have a hard time believing if you're not a Jon Stewart fan that you will like this. Because this on, on one level, it's it kind of does read like, a, oh, it's a Jon Stewart propaganda piece. Uh, it's like everything great about Jon Stewart that makes him stand out from everybody else. And hey, it's it's fine. Now, this is the sister that was killed in the backseat of his car, right? In real continuity. So I looked so, because they her name yeah. in this is Eleanor. And I'm like, it that doesn't Ro- sound it, right. It was Rose. Yeah. But it's supposed to be the same sister, though, right? They just changed. They the just screwed sister. up the name in all likelihood. Cause I, it pisses off. me off. Oh, God, I'm mad. Again, but the, then again, we know how much I love Power of Ion, and that story was in Power of Ion. So that's I, why I remembered I'm, her name without having to look it up. It was Rose. <laughs> now, I'm I'm not remembering wrong, right? Like, that issue where he got his legs back, like, him having a sister was a retcon introduced in that issue, right? He didn't I, have I'm pretty... Look, it's not like... As, as much as we love Green Lantern over here, I still, to this day, have not read every single issue of Green Lantern ever. But I'm pretty sure... That was one of the only times we ever heard about the fact that John had a sister. And that was the first time because it in the reason for his his paralysis continuing, despite the fact that his injury was healed and that piece of parallax that was still in there that Kyle could feel that he pulled out and removed there was there was no reason physically for him to be paralyzed. It was a mental block, and it was discovered that he had some suppressed trauma that was tr- trying to surface that was keeping him somehow from walking. But I think you. But I think you're right, Dan. I don't think that. I think that was just created for that story. Yeah. I don't think we ever there was anything that referenced either his sister yeah. dying or probably him even having his. It's possible they may have said something about him having a sister and passing, maybe, I guess. But I don't. Yeah. But the whole backstory with the car, and yeah, I'm pretty sure that was because 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 thought like maybe there's something buried in the Silver Age where he did have a sister named Eleanor or something. Or I mean, for all we know, Eleanor was there by mistake, like it was a placeholder name until they looked it up or forgot to. Maybe it's maybe it's the the name of the writer's actual sister or something. I don't know, but it was just like a weird. Because I think the name is only even said once on the first page. Yeah, but I don't know. I there very very well may be a John Stewart sister's story that I'm forgetting, and it may just be my specific love and you know viral con- consuming of Power of Ion that that just goes so high up in my head that it did kind of aggravate me that they did not get his the sister's name right. So what do we think about this world as John's ideal life? It is interesting or telling from the perspective that, yes, when you look at it, that he's the one who created you know, the dynamics in this world, the status quo. And yet the status quo would be that even though he set up everything so he could step away and not have and shouldn't have to be involved anymore, that even in his own world, he constantly has to come back when they, you know, so it, it speaks to, I guess, the either the duality in John or the or the part of him that feels that at the end of the day, he has a responsibility to never really step away, that he has to always be willing to step in. And especially if other people can't do it he's, or need help in doing what they what they need to accomplish, that he's got to be ready. To, and it speaks. Well, it does speak volumes about the character because it's not like it's not like a like a, an else world's like if, you know, or. 
zero hour went the way Hal wanted it, where you can imagine the, the universe where Hal was just kind of like, like kind of like almost like sitting in this universal watchtower, just keeping an eye on everything and every single thing that was going to pop up. He was all ready to go in and, and take care of before it became a problem. That it's not like that where John setting himself up to oversee everything. He but or or to create a perfect world where nothing needs to be overseen. If he really has the ability to create subconsciously anything that he wants, he purposely subconsciously, at least if not consciously, creates a world in which he still has to be an act. He has to be actively involved as opposed to just being able to live his own life and have personal happiness and move beyond his Green Lantern responsibilities. You know, until you'd asked that question, I was thinking, you know, I was so locked into the idea of this just being specifically an Elseworlds one shot that I forgot to equate this specific story as the world that was built for John from his own mind. Like I just thought of it as a different universe, John Stewart, not our John Stewart. So now I'm forced to consider what, what all of it means in relation to what we know about John Stewart. And in that case, I might be a little disappointed that there's no Katma or fatality or whatever in his perfect mm-hmm. world outside of that. I can kind of see it. I don't know about the whole farm thing, um, <laughs> but uh, if he's trying to protect this living power battery, essentially uh, whatever uh, Eleanor is, it makes sense to go the, we have a powerful alien. Uh, we should probably stay out here, put place this in the middle of Kansas where nobody's going to see him leaping over the barn house. Uh, so, you know, moving out to the sticks to protect her or whatever, but I, from what we know about John back to that, the idea of him still being an architect, the idea of him doing something for his mama, uh, cause he, he was, he was a big old mama's boy for, you know, we, we saw, uh, any, any fam- familial stuff where he talks a lot about his mom. Um, I like the fact that regardless, they got her name wrong, but I like the fact that they brought up the fact that he had a sister that he lost. So, Beyond Zanshi type stuff or whatever, I, I think a lot of this really matches up with what we know about John. And then you have to also consider what he learned about himself and his potential uh, as, you know, as little of it as we saw, but of his ability to ascend and be this sort of guardian being. So if he has that level of power and he's aware of his potential with that and, and what he did for his mother and all that, he has the all of this power you could see him, you know, fighting for a while, but then eventually setting it down, but never quite setting it down. So I, I think this, a lot of this actually probably jives pretty well with what we know about Jon Stewart. Yeah, I like the fact that it's it's almost a complete removal of the violent side of his life. Like he's he's embraced the the architect and left the soldier behind. He's set it up where you know he can just have a happy wholesome family life on a farm like like the farm is probably honestly just there as shorthand for living a simple wholesome life you know it's a world where he can step away and just live a life of peace where he's building instead of destroying like even that, like even that, even a Green Lantern ring is like the ultimate tool for creation. And what do they do with it? Like more often than not, they fight wars with it. They hit people real hard with it instead of just create with it. And this gives him a life where he can just 
focus on creation, whether it's creating a second chance with his sister or build or designing things as an architect or finally building that fence his mom wanted. And if he does have to go fight the bad guys, well, in this version of the, the world, he's powerful enough that it's it's just over right away. There's like there is danger, but only technically. I do wish that they made the 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 villains. I forget what they named them in this, but like the the generic blobby pitch black aliens and like the giant space baby pulled by Thanagarians. Like I wish that they were something more specific. And I don't even know what I wish they were, but like, like if, if the peaceful life on earth John has is, is exemplified by his supposedly his greatest desires, then the thing coming to take that away should be like something deeply personal to him. Like when I saw it was being pulled by by some Hawkmen and Hawkwomen, like I thought, oh, are they going to play up the connection to to Hawkgirl? Like, are we is is that what we're doing here? But like the like the fact that there are Thanagarians pulling that thing around doesn't seem to mean anything unless there's some like really obscure reference I'm not getting. But I mean that 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 baby did have an Omega symbol on its chest too. Like I don't know if this is supposed to be like a dark side thing or what, but I think I think it was just there to to lend credence to the idea that this world has been around for a long time. Yeah. They they refer so blatantly to this new villain set, like you would be like, Oh, the Sinestro Corps is at it again <laughs> kind of a thing. So like I, I honestly think there was no necessarily idea to even put meaning behind the big baddie. The idea behind the bad was give him something to fight, but also establish that this world's been around for a while. Yeah. And if the, if the focus is a simpler life, then the simplest version of a superhero story is, Oh, a generic bad guy shows up, but don't worry. The hero is powerful enough to, to beat him. No sweat. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I I I do like how it is a little creepy that the little girl never she's the age she was when she died and never gets any older. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, I feel like if they if they pushed it a little further, then it could really be saying something about his character and how he sees himself. Yeah, I definitely see that. There's there's definitely immense potential to, especially if we're never coming back to this uh, this world, to have some fun with it and tell a, a really cool story, uh, as opposed to just uh, some farce uh, that that uh, really just paints a a nothing story that that tells us a little bit about John himself as a person, but doesn't give us anything to really really enjoy like you would like a dessert like there's there's nothing there's nothing that snaps about this this story it it does as as much as i enjoy the fact that we got a a different story a sort of like i said the elseworlds one shot like as much as i enjoy that we got something like that i do see that there's some missed opportunity for 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 substance 
in it. And I feel sorry for anybody who got excited because Kyle was in it. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Or even worse for Red Hood. If you're a Red Hood fan, it's even worse, right? Oh, don't worry. He's with Task Force Z right now. <laughs> he's he's fine. All right. Disease, anything else? The yeah, Z stands I, for zombie. Yeah, I got I got I got a mini I got a mini. I think we you I think you and I might have talked about some of this. I know I talked with to Jim about it. That's why it's hard to remember if we talked about it on the air. But this is kind of driving me up the wall. So I want to make so I'll make this quick. Williamson needs to pick a hill and pick which one you want to die on when it comes to are the Justice League is it plural or is it singular? I'm getting sick and tired of one character saying the Justice League is dead, which I think technically would be correct. Or, but oftentimes we get the Justice League are dead. And I mean, in some issues, we have contradictions. Like like in issue three, we have you know, young justice is missing. Well, based on your own patterns, it shouldn't be young justice are missing if you're going to refer to the Justice League as plural. And then you have the, the intro page to this one Green Lantern one shot. What does it say? The Justice League is dead. It's like make up your damn mind. It's like because it's it's all it's all over the map. As an English major, it drives me up the friggin' wall. And 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 Slade in issue two says the Justice League is dead. Make up your friggin' mind. Just I mean I don't be and be consistent. You can be wrong and be consistent if you prefer. Just make up your damn mind because they started doing this a while ago and it's like the Justice League are dead. People holding up signs. It's like I don't even think that's right because you wouldn't say the army are dead. The army is dead. But the reality is I don't and in Black Adam in that same issue with the in talks about how the uh, we mentioned the the thing Chad picked up on about the dark army talking about is like the dark army is still out there. It's like, well, technically, that is grammatically correct. But since you're using Justice League as plural, then shouldn't you be consistent and say the dark army are still out there? I don't know. It drives me up the wall because it's, you see the contradictions like in every friggin' issue. Dan, will this critique be included in your Mosaic Comics uh, YouTube video recapping this issue? I mean, or Dark Crisis if, rather. If, if I need to, if I need to get to the end of a page, then maybe. <laughs> if you need filler, that's what I'm there for. That's it. I just thought it just, especially these three issues, because there's there's inconsistencies from in in the same issue, and then it's like so many. It's like. Just if you want to be, like I said, pick a hill and die on that hill. If you want to say it's plural and say the Justice League are this, the Justice League are dead, the Justice League are missing, be consistent. But then don't contradict it by saying, oh, young justice is missing and and the Justice League is dead, depending on people who like make a decision. Hey, editorial, make a decision and stick to it and make sure everybody has the memo. That's it. It's just annoying. The last thing I want to say is. And we don't have to to spend any real time on it, but the Hawk Girl story at the end of this issue was it's it's got like a really cool idea that I wish was the subject of a Hawk Girl miniseries. Because not only do I really like this version of Kendra, like her her whole design and everything, it, both like as a a regular person and as Hawk Girl, but like the whole premise is she's searching for this ancient mythical elixir that can take away her resurrection because she has full memory of all of her lives and she's lived hundreds of lives and she's reached a point where, where it's just pure stagnation because no matter what she does, 
it's something she's done before in another life. And her entire existence has become to be defined by dull repetition. And oh. you just can't come up with anything that's a new experience. And all she wants is to take all of that away so that she can have just one life left and truly feel alive. And like, that is wonderful. And I'm never going to see this version of this character again. <laughs> you know, you just gave me this idea because I was just thinking about combining what I was going to say and linking it to what you were saying. The The Hawkman book, I, the Hawkman and Hawkgirl book, I would read the shit out of. I want an adventure comic. I want it super Indiana Jones arc, like lean hard into the archaeology stuff in it, much like this this little story did. Um, and use the fact that they have all of their lives memories, and they want to give that history back to the world. Even you could even take it where you said like you know unearth that history give it to the world as a way of like getting rid of it and return to your one life. Like I would read the shit out of a Hawk Hawkman and Hawkgirl adventure themed kind of comic where it was super hard into Indiana Jones and archeology. span Cause wasn't Carter supposed to be, he was an archeologist, wasn't he? Yeah. Ri- original. Well, quote unquote original. Like when we first saw the character of Hawkman, he was an archeologist. Yeah. So yeah, I would, Oh man, I would love that. Yeah, you could join up. Maybe there would be an adventure with the challengers. Oh god, <laughs> sorry. And and every now and then you can just do a one shot that's set entirely in one of their their past lives. Yeah, a little flashback. Oh god, that'd be fun. I'd read the. Oh uh, man, PC, get on it. Uh, that would be good. I've heard great things about the Venditti run on Hawkman. Oh, yeah, but it was like, good. yeah, but yeah, I need. I would like an excuse to read some cool Hawkman and Hawkgirl stuff. Well, thanks for coming on to uh, talk and catch up with Dark Crisis with us. If uh, people want to hear you talk some more about uh, Green Lantern and uh, some of your other passions as well, where do they do so? Right here, because you're fired and I'm replacing you. No, that's <laughs> not episode yet. 500, Dan. Come <laughs> I on. know. Wait like a month. Okay. Um, so over on my YouTube channel, Mosaic Comics, I'm about to close out my third straight month of weekly uploads by finally getting around to a handful of videos I've wanted to do since the very beginning. Uh, I'm currently working on a pair of videos about the Red Lanterns, the first of which is about the Charles Soul run, which I know Chad loves it, and it's also one of my favorite runs of any Lantern book ever. Uh, the second video is all about Supergirl, the Red Daughter of Krypton, in which I take a look at her entire new 52 series and examine the events that led to her becoming a Red Lantern, as well as how that experience changed her life going forward. But before that, the same week we're recording this, I'll be posting a short video about She-Hulk, focusing on a specific four-issue run that made Jennifer Jennifer Walters into one of my all-time favorite Marvel characters. Uh, This is a batch of videos I've been wanting to do for a long time. And if it sounds interesting, go on over to Mosaic Comics on YouTube so you can have fun geeking out about my favorite things with me. Still waiting for the invitation to do the, uh, was it Homesick Pilots or was it Something is Killing the Children? I think it was both of them. (laughs) We'll we'll get there. 
That'll be right <laughs> after you get fired from here. <laughs> It'll help ease the pain a little bit. <laughs> Dan, you're letting everything out. <laughs> All these secrets are coming out already. Oh Listen, if, if DC is not going to give us big reveals, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> well, if people want to reach out to us, Mark, how do they do so? Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag GLCast to track us down there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Whichever platforms you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a text or a voicemail, 708-Lantern. 708-Lantern, let us know what you think. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.